It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Uh, Camp season in full swing, basketball back on campus, uh, football back on campus, but recruiting is really the big story of the week around Mizzou. The Missouri Tigers pick up a big commitment from Lutheran North Offensive lineman Jack Buford on Wednesday, and we're going to talk about it with Lutheran North head coach Carl Reed. Coach, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How about yourself? Hanging in. Uh, been busy times for you guys. Uh, just kind of tell us about yesterday, and and uh, di- when did you know kind of where Jack was going and, and the choice he was going to make? Well, I knew – over the weekend, Jack had Jack had pretty much settled on Mizzou a few months ago, um, and we had to kind of wait until his mom got an opportunity to get on campus. His mom has a hectic work schedule. Myself and Jack's dad, Tony, and, and Jack were all fine with what he wanted to do, but we had to get mom on board. And so we got an opportunity to go up there last weekend, and she got a chance to sit down with the coaches and Coach Odom, and I think that kind of solidified everything for her. Coach uh, Mitchell Forty here. You said that Jack was on board with uh, Missouri. He was interested in Missouri a couple months ago. What was it that just kind of initially sold him on the school? I think once Brad Davis came in, it changed things for him. I, I don't think going into the recruiting process that Missouri was very high on his list at all. Um, I think Oklahoma and Georgia and Arkansas were way out in front. Uh, and then the coaching change happened when, when Heupel and Ellaby went down to Florida, to Central Florida. And when Coach Davis came in, he made an immediate impact, and he kind of flipped Jack and uh, Mizzou from the bottom to the top of the list. So, obviously, the question all Mizzou fans want to know is, uh, tell us about Jack as a player. I mean, how good is this kid? Well, he's as good as any guy in the country, um, and that's why he has the list of schools who wanted him the way that they did. He could have went pretty much anywhere that he wanted to go. He's an excellent run blocker. He's athletic enough to pass block and, and do great there. He's he's going to be an instant impact guy from the Tigers very early on in his career. Coach, uh, I actually wrote early in the week a story about kind of Missouri's emphasis in St. Louis uh, for the 2019 class, you know, with the, the Lou to the Zoo hashtag and kind of the pitch behind that. Um, obviously, you've you know heard from the Missouri coaches having a few kids who are being recruited. What do you feel like, uh, if anything, they're doing differently with the, the 2019 kids than, than maybe they have in the past? I don't think they're doing anything differently. I think one of the – I think perception is everything, and I think kind of the, the narrative is a little overstated on, on that they're not recruiting St. Louis. They've recruited St. Louis very hard, and I've had several national Division One recruits for years and they've always recruited them as hard as anybody in the country. I think that people have to understand that kids have to do what's individually best for them when they're picking a school, and sometimes those situations fit, and sometimes they don't. I don't think they're doing anything different in 19 than they were doing in 18, 17, or 16. Um, Just sometimes things go one way and sometimes it goes the other way. But for anybody to say that they're not recruiting St. Louis or they haven't been recruiting hard, uh, that's just not true. Maybe some kids that don't have Missouri offers that think they should get upset, but I don't think any of the guys um, and none of those past classes that were really elite recruits could honestly say that they weren't getting recruited very hard by Missouri. 
Coach, I, I've been covering this obviously for 15 years. I know you've been around St. Louis for a long time, and I, I completely agree with what you just said that this this narrative has for two decades been overblown. Do you think it's just a, a case of, hey, we local kids pay a little bit more attention to Missouri because that's the local school, and Missouri fans pay more attention to St. Louis than they do to other cities because it's the one in their recruiting area with the most talent? Yeah, and, and people have to be reasonable. Like, I'll give you a, a scenario. Let's say a kid from Cleveland, Ohio, is the best pro-style quarterback in the country, right? Right. And because of that, everybody thinks the kid should go to Ohio State. Well, Urban Meyer doesn't want a pro-style quarterback. He wants a guy who can run around. So should the kid go to Ohio State instead of Michigan when Michigan covers a pro-style guy? A lot of times those scenarios come into play. And sometimes the kid is not a great fit for a certain system, no matter where the school is located. And these kids have a lot of pressure on them, and they have NFL aspirations, and they really have to look and make sure that they're going to a place that can meet all of their needs. And sometimes that's just not a cookie-cutter thing, and they have to look a little bit deeper into it. Talking with Lutheran North head coach Carl Reed. And, and coach, one one more just kind of about recruiting St. Louis, and this isn't specific to Missouri, but I, how big is it getting, whether it was Jack or somebody else, on board for Missouri? Because one thing I've always noticed about that city, like for years people would say, hey, Damian Nash went to Missouri, so it was cool to go to more than any other city I follow. It's, hey, because other kids are, are going here, I'm interested in looking at him more. So how big is it for Missouri to have Jack on board early and maybe be kind of a, a guy that can help them recruit that area? It's definitely big because one thing that's that's individually unique about St. Louis is the kids are so close with one another. Um, it, it's usually when you're around one of the big-time guys, several of the other ones are there, several of the top prospects in the area were at Lutheran North yesterday when Jack made his commitment announcement. Um, when I come home sometimes with my kids, all those kids are over at my house um, and they're enjoying each other and they're talking to each other and they're in constant communication. So recruiting here can be very trendy. So if guys are doing one thing, you typically one guy from St. Louis goes, another one will follow. That's usually how it's always been. Interesting. Uh, talk, um Moving on a little bit from uh, Jack Buford, we uh, I know you know Lutheran North is, under your uh, leadership has kind of been billed as scholarship high. You know, talking about you can uh, go anywhere from here. I believe was was the uh, slogan. Um, what just kind of about your approach has allowed uh, you know your your program to produce so many uh, college football players? Well, it's more we chase an exposure. Uh, we go to probably twenty to thirty college campuses every year and going to the camps and, and being willing to perform for those opportunities in front of those coaches and staying on track with guys academically and, and making sure that they get as much exposure as they possibly can, which is kind of the overall goal of the program. It's even more important than winning. Hey, that was what I was going to ask you, coaches. Where does that fall on your list of priorities? I, I said earlier this week on our site, my son played high school football for A.J. Ofadale, who's obviously at Missouri now, and he got kids Division One scholarships that I I didn't really think were Division One players, you know, and, and I don't I I don't want that taken the wrong way that that I'm saying that about any of your kids, but it seems to be even kids that don't go to your school, it seems important to you that that you help them out. I mean, how important is that to you just to give these kids kind of a shot at, at maybe something beyond what they can get in their high school career? 
I think in life that anybody who can help somebody do something that they should do it. I just think it's it's generally um, better for you to help people out if you can. And St. Louis is one of the most dangerous cities in the United States of America. So anytime you give a young man an opportunity to go to a university, whether it's Division One, Division Two, or, or whatever level it may be, and give him an opportunity to get a college degree, I think you've done right by the young man, and you have to put that, in my opinion, over your own selfish needs in terms of what you can do to win or lose games. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have a few other uh, highly touted players besides Jack. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the some of the guys uh, besides him who we have coming up the pipeline. I know Missouri just offered wide receiver Octavian Brown. Um, he's a 2020 player in 2019. You have Isaiah Azabuki. Uh, anyone else that, that we should be aware of? Well, in 2019, um, Devion Harris is already committed to to Minnesota, and we still have Isaiah Zubik. He's he's down to a few schools and kind of trying to figure out what he's going to do next. In the 2020 class, obviously, Kevon Billingsley is already one of the premier players in the nation. He's been offered pretty much by everybody in the United States of America. He, he picked up an Alabama offer a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and he's right on par with Ronnie and Jack from a national level. Octavian Brown, Missouri, offered last weekend, and he's a kid that will also be a national recruit. I think when it's all said and done, he may potentially be the top player in the state in that 2020 class. Um, in 2020, we also have Trayvon Williams, another offensive lineman that has a Missouri offer. He's got an Oklahoma offer. He's got a Texas offer. So he's a national guy as well. Um, and then we got Cameron Reed in that class um, who's got a few Division One offers already, some MAC-level stuff, and, and he's going to get some you know, mid-level Big Ten and Big 12 stuff. And then my, my incoming freshman group, my 2022 guys, you know, that might be the best class that's ever come through this place. Wow. I guess it's time we start writing about 2022 kids, huh? <laughs> um, Coach, I want to know if you've noticed, I said at the beginning of the 2018 recruiting cycle when you had, um, you know, uh, Delhi and Thompson and Perkins and Trout and Cam Babb, Cam Brown, all these national guys, I said what I thought that was going to do is bring in a whole bunch of schools that don't generally recruit St. Louis, that don't generally recruit the state of Missouri. And once they started recruiting those kids – the 2019 and 2020 kids were going to have a lot more exposure just because schools that maybe don't normally come through your hallways had come through them. Uh, have you noticed that happening? Yeah, so in the past, if you were dealing with, you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Georgia, programs like that, they would only be coming in to maybe recruit one guy. But what they found out in the last year with all the talent that we have here is now Oklahoma and Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama. Now they've put guys in to recruit St. Louis. So now we got area recruiters basically from everybody in the country. And that's also kind of what happens with the exposure of Missouri going to the SEC. All those SEC schools are now coming into St. Louis. So the exposure has been great for kids. Last question for you, Coach, and this relates not only to Jack Buford, but like you said, Devion Harris already committed to Minnesota. Um, we all know what recruiting is like, and, hey, things can happen down the road, whether coaches get fired, whatever it is. Do you have a general philosophy as far as your players, hey, making a commitment and then maybe later wanting to look around? I mean, or do you approach that on kind of a case-by-case basis? I've never had a kid decommit. 
Um, so I, I can't I can't relate. And, and typically we're so thorough in our process. By the time a kid make this ready to make a decision, we pretty much we fine with it, and, and we know we're going to go there. Obviously, things change in terms of a head coach's changes made. Um, I think that the player does have the right to look around and kind of see if that is the best fit for him. But all of these guys got to really understand that a position coach or a coordinator, they're going to change. It's just the nature of the profession. As long as that head coach stays in place and his general philosophy stays the same in terms of the way they're going to play offense and defense, you got to really kind of plan on sticking with that commitment because those things are going to change and the coaching staffs are always going to be fluid. But personally for us, I've never experienced having a player decommit. We haven't had any of those kind of issues, fortunately. And I think that when you make a commitment, I th- and, but I think it goes both ways because I've seen colleges take commitments from kids mm-hmm. and drop them later. Right. So I, I, I think that for the player, when he makes a commitment, I think he should go to the school that he committed to. But I also think the coaches need to be held accountable that when they take a commitment from a kid, that they don't drop them because they think they found something better down the road. So I think it goes both ways. I don't feel sorry for the colleges, though, because they do it to kids all the time. So I I just think everybody has to do what's best for them. But in my mind, if you're not ready to make a commitment that you can stick to, you shouldn't do it until you're ready. Well, Coach Reed, we appreciate your time. And all these kids we talked about, I assume the goal at Lutheran North this year is a state title, right? One week at a time. We got a very (laughs) tough schedule. So right now we just want to make sure that we have a great Thursday practice. All right, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks, guys. Carl Reed, Lutheran North head coach, spoken like a true head coach. <laughs> Just <laughs> get through practice tomorrow. But, uh, no, he brings up, before we move on, like, this is my soapbox, and this has been my soapbox for a couple of years. We got to stop blaming the 16- and 17-year-old kids for decommitting. Mm-hmm. Missouri has close to 300 offers out this year. How many of those kids could call the coaching staff today and commit? 50, 60. So there are basically 240 kids out there who are being told, and this is not exclusive to Missouri by any means, this is every Power 5 school in the country, who are being told, you have a scholarship offer. But not really. And, you know, look, I I don't want to name any individual players, but it happens to somebody every year. They're committed to a school, and then a week before National Signing Day, the coach calls them and says, sorry, we ran out of room. Will you pay your own way this semester? Like, who should we blame here? The 17-year-old kids or the 50-year-old men making millions of dollars? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, you certainly don't put it on the kids, but also it's just kind of the the way that recruiting is structured right now because, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously in the the coach issues, I'm not trying to, you know, necessarily make excuses, but like they have to, you know, obviously you have to offer more people than are are going to accept because you're going to lose some lose some kids uh but yeah coach coach reed brought up a few different different points that you know i thought were really interesting obviously talking about uh the you know just how it's been, the recruitment in st louis these past few years like i said i wrote about that the other day he said it doesn't hasn't been any uh any different in 2019 than 2018 just you know certain times kids are more uh more open and receptive to what missouri's saying and you know, it, it certainly that so far it's just been one kid in Jack Buford, but having him on board could, you know, make it, you know, four or five kids jump on board and people are going to say what changed. It, it's just getting that one kid. Right. And uh, way too often we evaluate the process by what the result results, is. Yeah. I, I mean, look at where those kids went last year. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, because Missouri didn't get Cam Babb or Ronnie Perkins or Trevor Trout or whoever doesn't mean they necessarily did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, I've said you can't sell something to someone who doesn't want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can, but in that case, that person is done. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's their fault. So now the issue becomes, and I said this during the Kim Anderson era, and so after a couple years, it was trending that way, and this is why I think yesterday's commitment and what they might do in St. Louis this year is big because it was starting to trend that way. You can individually explain every single kid that went somewhere else, but at the end of the day, they all add up to you didn't get any of them, mm-hmm. and the only constant is you didn't get any of them, so something has to change. Yeah, and it also, I mean, we can't pretend it didn't look a lot worse because they had them all in at once and called right. them the Tiger 10 and, and made it a big deal. Um, but, yes, you're right. I mean, like you said, you know, every single kid in 2018 that from that group that didn't go to Missouri went to a, you know, a very, like, highly regarded school that, as Coach Reed said, was probably the best choice for them. Um, but... Right. In order to, to kind of turn the tide, you needed and that kind of some of the, the recruits I talked to when I was in St. Charles alluded to this. You simply to get more recruits or get more signees, you needed to sign a kid or you needed to get a, a commitment. And that's why Jack Buford's was so important. It's almost like they're waiting for somebody to tell them, hey, it's OK. It's cool, yeah. it's cool to go to Missouri, you mm-hmm. know, and one and, and look, we're not guaranteeing they may not get anybody else out of St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, but. They had to have that first guy tell other kids, look, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do it before other kids are good. Somebody had to be a leader. And he seems like a pretty willing salesperson. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see, but he, he brought it up right away in, uh, in his press conference yesterday. You know, Marcus Washington, Ira Henry, I'm coming for you guys. So. And he's tweeting at EJ Liddell and <laughs> yeah, Caleb Love. Right. Uh-huh. Like, Conzo Martin needs to, needs to go hang out with Jack <laughs> Buford a little bit, too. Yeah. Okay, so now we are going to actually start weekly on the podcast, turning our attention to football season because, like, yeah, we know it's June, but, like, we got to do something, right? There's, <laughs> there's got to be something going on. So Missouri's going to play football games here in, like, three months. So it's time to start talking about them. We're going to preview an opponent every week here, and we're going to start with um, no disrespect to the University <laughs> of Tennessee Martin. I'm sure they have good kids and good coaches and work really hard. If that game's not a lopsided win, then we're going to just cancel coverage the rest of the season. So Missouri's first real game is against the Wyoming Cowboys, and we're going to talk to Brandon Foster, who actually is fairly familiar with Missouri, but I assume at this point has been covering Wyoming for about three years, probably a little bit more familiar with Wyoming. Brandon, how you doing, man? Good, Gabe. How are you guys? Not too bad. appreciate you taking some time. So uh, here is right now, as of June whatever today is June 7th here is the extent of my knowledge about Wyoming football Josh Allen not playing quarterback next year correct that is correct (laughs) okay so uh but before we get into this year's team I like I tell me a little bit about I mean Josh Allen was the guy that I'm going leading up to this draft man I'm glad my team has a quarterback because because I just I don't know. I, I don't see it as a top five, top ten guy. I saw a Buffalo radio guy quit yesterday because Josh Allen was the Bills draft pick. But <laughs> it, you've been around Josh Allen. I mean, tell me about him. Is is he a guy you think turns into this franchise quarterback that, that people saw? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's possible. It was kind of a weird situation where, uh, you know, he had a better uh, redshirt sophomore year than his, his junior year, and no one was really – Watching him back in 2016, that's kind of what put him on the map in the first place. And then uh, with, with kind of all eyes on him last year, 
uh, the, the offense lost a ton of weapons, uh, a handful of them that ended up on NFL teams. And, uh, you know, he, he had a much worse year statistically. Um, so I definitely, you know, I, I get kind of the confusion people have when they finally started watching him last year and they heard all the hype around him as, you know, even potentially a, a number one overall guy, um, you know, that it, it didn't quite match up to what they saw on the screen. Um, he was still, you know, really critical to whatever they were able to do on offense last year. It just wasn't a whole lot that they were able to do. Uh, they didn't have much of a run game. Um, and like I said, they lost, you know, a lot, a lot of talent to the NFL. They lost, you know, their all-time leading uh, rusher the, from the year before. You know, uh, I think there's three top receiving targets and uh, center who ended up starting for the Redskins by the end of last season. So um, it, it was kind of a weird situation. And in that regard, and I know when, when people see quarterbacks like, you know, Carson Wentz or whoever it may be from a smaller school that they don't, you know, typically watch the games of. They expect them to just dominate, and that that wasn't the case uh, when people watched last year. But uh, in terms of the physical tools and everything like that, he's he's off the charts. He's, uh, you know, he was crazy to watch for two years, even just in practice. His arm is an absolute cannon, and I know everyone has concerns about the accuracy and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that he has uh, the potential to, to really become a solid starter in the NFL. Uh, I was rooting for him not to go to Buffalo because I felt like of all the teams that might take him, they had the worst in terms of, you know, quarterbacks that would sit in front of him uh, with, with A.J. McCarron and Nate P- uh, Peterman. So, um, you know, that has me concerned a little bit just because I don't know if those guys are actually going to be able to beat him out for the job for that long. Uh, I would have rather seen him, you know, go somewhere where he could have sat behind a veteran, you know, like like at the Giants or something like that. So uh, we'll see. I don't know if it's the, the ideal situation. I also don't think they have a ton of talent on offense surrounding him uh, besides LaShawn McCoy. So yeah. we'll see how it pans out. But, I mean, he's a good kid, he's, and he's a, he's a freak athletically, not just his arm. He's, you know, he's really tall, obviously, and he's really, really mobile and, uh, you know, kind of more agile than you'd expect for, like, a six foot five, 230-pound kid. So the big question now for Wyoming, who replaces him, and, and does the offense look similar, or will they, will they kind of change some things up now? Um, so, you know, as of right now, Tyler Vanderwall is the quarterback who's expected to start. Um, he redshirted last year. He was a you know, three-star recruit out of uh, Sacramento, a Ball State decommit. Uh, he, but, you know, he, he battled in, in spring camp for the starting job with um, the, their backup from last year, Nick Smith, who started a couple games uh, when Josh was out with a shoulder injury. And uh, things did not really go very well in those games. Um, he also, you know, was similarly thrown in. Uh, because of injuries back in 2015 and kind of same story. So I know fans were kind of hoping, you know, that the new kid could do better than that, but it, it sounded like it was pretty neck and neck throughout camp. And they named a starter afterwards. Craig Bull said, though, that it's it's not set in stone. Um, there's been, you know, rumblings about maybe someone else coming in uh, to compete for the job. Wilton Spate was considering Wyoming. He came out to Laramie, ended up using, uh, choosing UCLA. Um, I believe they still have one scholarship left that they could give in this class. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I think there's still potential for things to change between now and then. But uh, Vanderwall is kind of more or less in that same vein of kids they like to recruit. Um, you know, Craig Bull and, and Brent Vegan, their offensive coordinator, also recruited uh, Carson Wentz back when they were at North Dakota State. And they like tall quarterbacks uh, and, you know, guys who, who have a little bit of mo- mobility and a strong arm. And, you know, from what we saw in camp, it, you know, it wasn't a ton, but what we've seen in camp of, of Vanderwall, you know, that looks like the case. I mean, he, nobody has quite the arm that, that Josh Allen does, but um, he's got the tools. It seems like it's just going to be a matter of 
you know, how, how well he learns the offense and, um, you know, getting all the finer points down. Uh, so, so we'll see. I, I wouldn't expect by any means that position to take a step forward, but um, the offense as a whole, like I said, really struggled last year. Uh, the running game was one of the worst, if not the worst, in the Mountain West. Um, and their top two rushers from that season uh, both missed most of spring with shoulder injuries. One of them's going to be out the whole season. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Actually, their they're most likely starter is a kid from Missouri, uh, Kellen Overstreet. Um, and he, I, I, I would expect him to be the starter still, but they might even, you know, look at a, a freshman coming in. So the run game's a question. The pass game, you know, they've got a, a few up, upperclassmen now who have a couple of years under their belt, but, you know, they really struggled last year in terms of, I mean, they kind of got thrown under the bus when everyone talked about Josh's supporting cast, but it, it wasn't really, you know, them dropping passes so much as just not getting a ton of separation for them. But at, at least they have another year of experience, I guess. But uh, the, the big hope for the offense, I think, is that the offensive line has, has good depth, better than it's had since Bowles been here. Um, and, you know, sometimes that can make all the difference, even though we don't pay as much attention to it. And also, you know, the, the bar was pretty low last year that was set. So if they can just improve a little bit upon uh, what, what the offense did last year, uh, that, that'll that be really, you know, key uh, just considering the strength on defense they bring back. Uh, but no doubt losing Josh is going to be a big deal. Brandon Mitchell Forty here. Uh, I don't know if I'm proud or ashamed to say that I actually watched the majority of the famous Idaho Potato Bowl last year in which Wyoming <laughs> competed. But I, I remember that – uh, that you know, Josh Allen was obviously a story, but their defense was really strong last year. Uh, is are a lot mm-hmm. of those pieces from that defense going to be back? And what's kind of the outlook on that side of the ball? Yeah, they should. I mean, if if all things go right, they should be a pretty dominant unit. You know, among the best at least in group of five. Uh, they, in terms of what they lost, they lost uh, two starting corners and a, a strong side um, linebacker. But they they're taking and they kind of used three starters at corner last year. They're taking the third guy moving him into that, you know, kind of Sam slash nickel spot. I think they're pretty confident with him being uh, moving there. And then at corner, they have a, a kid who didn't play last year, but um, he was a medical redshirt. He started two years ago coming in, um, as well as uh, a redshirt freshman who was, who's got a lot more length than, you know, they're, they're used to at that position. So I think they're pretty confident in terms of plugging the holes. And as for the rest, you know, it, it should be a really, really, really strong unit. I know that, you know, it kind of translates differently in terms of, what they can do in the Mountain West versus, you know, trying to beat an SEC school, uh, especially, you know, the way Mizzou's offense looked last year. But, um, you know, the, their safeties will be on their fourth straight year of starting alongside one another. Andrew Wingard's kind of the face of that defense. He's, um, you know, probably going to get some NFL attention after his senior year. Um, you know, on the defensive line, they're just they're just stacked. They, they had a really good defensive line last year with two all, uh, all-conference guys. Um but they were still dealing with a ton of injuries on the interior. This year, if they get all those guys back healthy, I think they'll have at least four guys with starting experience at D-tackle in addition to, you know, at least three or four really solid D-ends. And then they they got a really good uh, linebacker that I think is all-conference potential as well, kind of right there in the middle of the defense. So I, I think that, you know, it's definitely going to be the strength of this team again this year. Um, you know, it was last year they led the nation in turnovers. Everyone, like you said, kind of talked about Josh Allen the whole time, but they forced eight turnovers in that uh, potato bowl game. So they, right. they were really kind of the, the driving force behind, uh, you know, the eight wins that Wyoming had last year. And, I mean, Wyoming probably would have won ten games fairly easily, I think, if, if Josh hadn't gotten hurt. So um, that, that defense was, was really strong last year, and I would expect it to take another step forward this season. I want to ask you about Craig Bowl, who 
I think is one of the elite coaches in college football. I mean, built North Dakota State, won three straight national titles in FCS, and then came to Wyoming. They were bad, six and eighteen his first two years, and and then sixteen mm-hmm. and eleven since. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think we look at programs more than coaches. If you put Craig Bowl at like an LSU or something, I, I think this guy is is one of the household names in college football. Like, is he? Do you get the feeling that he's? in Laramie for the long haul, or is it kind of an every offseason going to be, I wonder who's going to come calling? Uh, I mean, that was definitely kind of the concern after 2016 when they had their turnaround season. They did sign him to an extension. Um, I mean, I, the, the big school everyone was worried about was Nebraska. Obviously, right. that's you know, where he's from, where he's coached and played in the past. Um, obviously, they, they went in a different direction. I don't know how close he would have been to getting some some uh, you know attention from them had Scott Frost not decided to go there, but had Scott I Frost not won a national title last year, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I think that was a sigh of relief for Wyoming fans. The other one to look out for is uh, K State, just because I believe their athletic director is the former North Dakota State athletic director. But in general, um, he he seems to be pretty committed to building something long term here. Um, and he's got a fairly good track record that says that. I mean, he could have jumped ship before he did at North Dakota State. Um, you know, he, he – I mean, you know, we could turn around one day and all of a sudden, you know, that goes out the window because, you know, K-State offers him the job or something like that. But um, he really, you know, with the success he has, it's not surprising that people probably think that, oh, he's going to leave, isn't he? But he seems really committed to, you know, long-term success. Uh, here at Wyoming and kind of building his own legacy. He's a guy who uh, learned a lot from his mentor, Tom Osborne, who obviously did the same thing at Nebraska. Uh, he very much built a legacy at North Dakota State. So I think that's kind of his style. He's definitely a, like from the ground up kind of guy. He, he tried to avoid any shortcuts in Wyoming. Uh, they didn't recruit hardly any Juco kids his first couple of years, which probably would have helped uh, plug the gaps uh, after, you know, ironically, Dave Christensen was fired. Um, but they, they chose to, you know, recruit four-year kids, and it, it, you know, hurt them the first couple of years. Like you mentioned, they only won six games. I only won two in, in 2015, but now it's starting to pay off just in terms of the depth that they have. Um, so I, I think, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he stays here for a while and kind of, you know, makes a, a name for this program. Um, but, you know, from the outside looking in, I, I don't know why you know, some other programs wouldn't be trying their best to get him because, I, I, I mean, I think it's just his success kind of speaks for itself. Brandon, I know uh, I think probably the majority of Missouri fans look at the schedule and see Wyoming at home and assume, you know, it's pretty much an automatic win. Um, mm-hmm. You, have, as, as someone who's more familiar with the team, what do you think, like, kind of neat would need to happen for Wyoming to win that game? Is it the kind of the game where it would take a fluke, you know, Missouri turns the ball over 11 times and never scores, or, or do you expect that game to be somewhat competitive? Oh, I mean, you know, I paying enough attention to Missouri last year, how they started the year, I wouldn't say, you know, <laughs> entirely. Yeah. Question, but... Turning the ball over 11 times and going scoreless is not out of the question based on the start of the <laughs> Um, I've, I've been kind of thinking about it. You know, that's what there's a couple of steps that they really want to take. Uh, I think in this program to really become a dominant team. One of them is, is winning the mountain West itself, but I think another one is picking up, you know, uh, a win over a power five team last year. They, you know, had two shots at it with Oregon and Iowa and, you know, everyone was really amped up about that just with Josh Allen and the hype. And uh, it didn't happen. I, I I've been thinking about that with Missouri. I wonder if it's easier to beat 
uh, a power five team if you have a dominant office, offense versus a dominant defense? Because I think they will have, you know, one side of the ball that's really dominant. However, I don't know um, how easy it's going to be for them to score. So I, I, I think, you know, most of their games this year, if they are going to win, it's, it's going to be of the low-scoring variety. I think they're going to, you know, turnovers are definitely going to be key. Uh, but, you know, I think they're going to have to, you know, keep that. Missouri offense in check. I mean, I guess what we'll see what that Missouri offense even looks like this year. I guess we don't quite know yet. But um, you know, I part of me thinks that if if you just flipped it, if they had you know one of the best offenses in the nation uh, and you know a shoddy defense, maybe that's an easier way to knock off a team you're not supposed to. Um, but you know, I, I definitely that offense is, or sorry, the the defense at Wyoming is not something that should be overlooked. You know, the first couple drives, if things look ugly, fans probably shouldn't panic, but. I know, you know, the the mindset coming in from the fan perspective is going to be, well, Josh Allen's not even there anymore, so this one's a, a piece of cake. Uh, but, but this team could actually end up being better than it was uh, the last two years with Josh Allen. Well, the promise I can make you, if the first couple drives don't go well, they absolutely will panic, the fans. <laughs> so, uh, all right, last thing, you're a St. Louis guy. You covered Mizzou in Jeff City for, for a few years. So coming back to Columbia like Friday night before the game, what's the one spot in Columbia you got to go to? Oh, man, uh, I'm excited. I actually just made it back to Columbia the first time since I, I left mid-Missouri uh, recently for my sister's graduation, and I had to check out the new Shakespeare's. I hadn't been there since they changed it. That was uh, a little uh, surreal experience. Yeah. It's obviously different, but part of it is very much the same. I don't know what the uh, consensus is among uh, Columbia people about The, the pizza and beer line. are still good. So. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I, I got a couple of those out of the way, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think it until I, you know, decide otherwise, I think Shakespeare's is still kind of the go-to spot. Um, and then, let's see. I don't know. It, it, it's it's uh, wherever I can figure out uh, how to get there without getting distracted by all the new skyscrapers in town will, will be my <laughs> decision, I guess. Yeah, we're the big city back here now, man. But, yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, appreciate the time, Brandon. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you down the road when we're not previewing a game that's three months away. <laughs> All right, sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Thank you. Thanks a lot. Brandon Foster covers Wyoming for the Casper Tribune, does a good job out there. Did He, he covered uh, Mizzou for the Jeff City News Tribune for two or three years. Uh, good guy and did a good job covering Mizzou. So, I don't know, I guess now it's officially football season. Kind of. I mean, you know, I I I want to. I don't want to short uh, Tennessee Martin. I wanted to get this in. This is my extent of my knowledge. Their mascot is the Skyhawks. Skyhawks. I knew so that. I know nothing. Else. That's our preview for them. <laughs> yes, yes. The Skyhawks <laughs> will be in town at some point in early September. You know, I like this Wyoming game because at least, like, it's a team I've heard of. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and it's not out of the question that Wyoming could win. Now, I'll say this: Wyoming wins that game. Barry Odom's in trouble. Oh yeah, at Missouri, Missouri yeah. should win that game. But I just—I've always been a proponent of give me a good. I love the Georgia game in week two. Like mm-hmm. the season started mm-hmm. when Missouri was in the Big Twelve, they would play just four nobodies, and it was like the season didn't even start till October. Right. right. Yeah. And and with with Wyoming, you know, it's a game that the. They probably win and should probably will win and should win, but at least it's a game you can learn a little bit about the team right. from. I mean, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna you know play the starters the whole time. I don't I wouldn't think against Tennessee Martin and show all their new looks, but offensively you might learn a little bit more about them playing against Wyoming's defense. So you know that'll that'll at least provide some and, entertainment for us. And if we do want to do a Tennessee Martin preview, like I'll say I say this for every season opener, 
and I said it before last year's season opener, it proved to be true. The only thing you can learn in a game like that is bad. Yeah. Like, I knew after week one last year, Missouri's in some trouble. Yeah. Because they can't stop anybody. Yeah. You know, um, and at that point, like, before the season, I picked them to go, I forget, I think it was seven and five. And after that game, I said, I think they're four and eight. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it just looked that bad. So, Tennessee Martin, if you learn anything, it will be terrible. Wyoming, yeah, you can learn a little bit. So, uh, look, a little bit of everything. We've got tons of recruiting stuff on the site. We'll have some more tomorrow. Mitchell and I are going up to Kansas City for Mizzou's camp at uh, William Jewell, uh, talking to some of the St. Louis kids after Jack Buford's commitment. We had some basketball stuff with Conzo Martin and the team yesterday. Mitchell's going to be our softball reporter at Larissa Anderson's introductory press conference tonight. So, uh yeah. We got it all covered. Right? Yeah, keep uh, keep checking the site. We've got uh, a lot going on for for early June. Yeah, so uh, we can't make ever a promise it's going to be this way every week, but busy week this week. Yeah, we're trying our best. All right, we'll be back <laughs> next week. Uh, probably, I guess, moving on to previewing Purdue, and who knows, maybe something else will happen in the next seven days. Thanks for listening.